Welcome to the Keep Idaho Red Radio Show, where you'll hear from national, statewide, and local Republican leaders about the issues that are most important to Idahoans today. Now, please welcome Tom Luna and Vic Miller. Good morning and uh, welcome back to our show. Um, Tom Luna's co-host. I'm Victor Miller. And uh, we're going to be speaking now uh, for an update. We, we just had him on recently. And but there's been some drama since then, so we want to kind of clear, you know, kind of give you guys all an update on what's been happening on property tax. And so, who should we talk to? But we should talk to Jason Monks on that. Jason is the chairman of the um, local tax and oh, revenue and taxation. Revenue taxation. He is District 22. He's in his sixth term. So. Welcome back. Thanks, uh, Victor. Appreciate Chairman, you having me. Chairman Monks. So um, let's let's rewind. We had you on, I think, a week or two ago, and we talked about the property tax bill that was coming, 292. But then something happened last week, and what was that? Well, a couple of good things happened. It passed off the House floor with, with tremendous support, bipartisan support, and uh, then it went over to the Senate, and the same thing happened over there. Really historic votes on those things. 90-plus um, percent passed. Uh, so we had bipartisan support, both House and Senate. It went over to the governor's office, and the governor decided to veto that uh, particular bill. And um, we did something that hasn't been done in a long time here in the House and the Senate and the legislature. We overrode that uh, just yesterday. I think the last time that that happened was about 17 years ago. And that was just on a whether or not you could smoke in a in a bowling alley, I think. And before that, I think you have to go back to 1977. So this was a pretty historic thing that uh, the legislature was able to accomplish in order to provide tax relief for Idahoans. So let's talk about what was the basis you feel for the veto, and then what was the strategy that the House and the Senate took to then mollify any concerns that might have been there, and then what was the strategy to then bring this back to the floor so that we could have our second override since smoking in bowling alleys? <laughs> um, so some of the things that were listed were concerns about the bonding for our transportation funding, or we call it TECM, um, Transportation Congestion Mitigation uh, Funding. And a few years ago, we set up uh, some money that the state can bond off of so that they can, they can literally do some billion-dollar type projects. The tax relief money was going to come out at the same ratio as the TECM, which if you look at bonding aspects, it's kind of like at home. If you've got a first out, the second uh, doesn't have as much priority towards that money. And that's kind of how bonding works as well. There was a concern that with our bill, it would jeopardize some of those projects. That's what was listed as far as some of the concerns. Because you felt because there was some concern that the TECM funds were, were subordinate in in optics to the money going for tax relief, correct, for property correct, tax relief. Correct. And if you look at the bill, it's really, they were never subordinate. They would just come out at the same time. Um, it, but we talked to some of the guys in charge of the bonding and such, and they looked at it and they said, well, we don't think it actually will change your bond rating. It might delay projects by a little bit if we had to go back and relook at it. Um, we in the house thought, well, we're not even going to give them an excuse. We, even right, if it just, delays it a just week, take care of it. Right. We'll just go ahead and take care of it. We came up with a trailer bill really quickly, uh, House Bill three seventy six, that just ensured that we did not affect those 
bonds or the bond rating. Uh, we didn't want to delay it even by a week because that's what we, it boiled down to. It had probably been a week or two um, that we could have delayed things and we didn't want to do that and so we came up with a trailer bill. We passed the trailer bill. We sent that over to the Senate. We then overrode. And the Senate the, passed that yesterday. Correct. Mm -hmm. Correct. And then uh, then the Senate was able to override as well. That, that was one of the concerns. I know one of the big concerns that came out was on the March election date. That was right. seemed like it was a big deal to a lot of people. Mm -hmm. um, but frankly, that was one of the most important aspects of this property tax relief bill. So we, when you say a big deal, you meant a lot of people were encouraging you to move it, to, to remove that as because we have four election dates right now. We correct. Have, There's right, yes. March, May, November, and August. Correct. Right? And the problem with the March one is that no not turnout. No, yeah, nobody shows up to these things, and that's when massive tax burden is put upon our, our Idahoans. It's one of the it's one of the biggest areas where they they tax us and we wanted to make sure that um, we had enough people that showed up to vote when they passed tax increases. So your constituents obviously very grateful that you you kept that in the bill. Absolutely. I think I think if you're in the school districts, they may be concerned. They they were obviously opposed to that. That was one of the reasons why that became a contentious issue. Um, but for us, this was a big deal. It was important. We're going to have long-term tax relief because of that very thing. So co-chair um, Wendy Horman, I think it was last week, and you, I believe a couple weeks ago, mentioned that the reason why you're doing a lot of this is that you are providing new funds to the schools. You're providing the tax bill is is really considering schools. So the question is, why why would we need as much levy and bonding uh, to go to the public anyway? Because we're trying to be proactive in providing it in the budget and in property tax relief. So what's your thoughts on that? You're absolutely right there, Victor. I, I believe this year alone, we were between 15 and 20% increase in spending for our schools. That's a massive increase in one year. And yet, if you saw the March election, they were still asking for hundreds of millions of dollars of more. It seems like it doesn't matter how much we give, they're just going to always ask for more. Um, the other key aspect of House Bill 292 is we're providing a, a massive amount of money going directly towards school districts to help pay for those bonds and levies so that they don't have to go towards to ask the people mm -hmm. for more money during the elections, that they have those opportunities to do. So that was one of the reasons why we felt we didn't need to have as many election dates. If we're going to give you more money, then you don't need to go to the people as many times to keep, you know, asking for more. So remind people the 292, what what aspects does that bill deal with specifically with schools? You are, you have some money that you're going to set aside for schools and you have four buckets that I believe you want them to use this money for. Remind people about Correct. that aspect and how that should help with local property taxes as well because that's a tax, taxing district. Absolutely, so if you, if you remember Previously, I'd mentioned that of your property tax bill, about 30% of it is from schools, bonds, and levies. And the money that we put aside for this property tax relief bill, the school districts have to use the money in a prioritized manner. So first, they have to use it for paying their bond payments for the year. So that's, again, immediately property tax relief that we're providing for them. Next, they can use it for paying their levy payments, again, 
property tax relief for them. Um, if they don't have or if they have excess money, these school districts then can go ahead and use that money for future schools and they can even use it to bond for future schools. So that's why they don't need to go to the people because we're providing the money for them in order to do that. So remind people um, also as we as we talk about it, what other, you, you talked about it, distributions like this is going to be distributed this is going to be distributed this is going to be distributed and I know Tom wants to talk about specifically what's going to happen for the average Idahoan but talk about who is going what different people and and agencies or priorities are going to see some distribution out of this bill so the so the money goes to a lot of different places, but primarily it's going to go to the school districts and it's going to go to the school districts based on their average daily attendance. Okay. So, so that's where that's where half of this money is going to go. The other half of this property tax relief bill goes directly to property tax um, payers that have a home home. So your ones with a homeowner's exemption. Mm -hmm they are going to see about half of this just goes directly to them in direct property tax relief. You will see both of these items, line items, um, summarized on your tax bill next year, and it will even have a line item and tell you this came from the legislative action to reduce your property tax. So you'll see exactly how much uh, this property tax bill meant to you when you get your next bill. And you also mentioned uh, TECM. Is that also part, or is that just happens to be in the... They linked these two things, but they're not actually related. Technically, it's not related at all. It's just that it happens to be in the same section of code, and when we put it together, it it created a concern there that we uh, we addressed. Perfect. So uh, we're going to take a break, and we'll be right back with uh, Chairman of the Revenue Taxation Committee in the House, Jason Monks, and we'll be right back to talk about exactly what Idahoans should expect from their property tax bills, and it's going to be a reduction. We'll be right back. And welcome back. And folks, we're visiting with Representative Jason Monks, and we've been talking a lot about property tax. And uh, of course, uh, you've been hearing this for years. People want property tax relief, and we've seen some real relief that is now um, uh, the, the bills have been passed and the necessary action has been taken, so it's a reality. So um, before we uh, took a break, we said we we're going to come back and talk about what just the average Idahoan can. Uh, expect from this relief and if you can maybe even some specific you know percentages or, or what have you you've got homeowners you've got people who rent you have people that have business properties so talk about how this relief flows to those different taxpayers so your your homeowners are going to obviously see the the most reduction on this they're going to see uh, anywhere from 10 to 20 percent reduction on their on their bill and as i had mentioned before you'll no, 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 let me just be clear yeah. uh, on the percentage of their taxes that are associated with a school district no okay overall so overall great okay. overall they will receive receive at least a 10 to 20 percent reduction in their overall bill and we will have a line item you can look right at your tax bill and it will say tax relief provided by the legislature so you can see exactly what uh, reduction came from that now you also ask what what about renters renters is going to be 
a reduction in increases in the rates. Um, the owners of those properties are going to see a slight decrease in their property tax as well, at not nearly what the homeowners are getting. Uh, 75 to 80% of this tax relief goes to homeowners only. Uh, businesses and such will see a slight reduction as well. But it'll all reflect on the tax bill, whether I own business property or whether I own my own home. Renters should see less stress on increases yeah. in, in, in rent. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. If, you know, and that's something that people forget, when, especially when these bonds and levies go out and a new one passes. If you're living in an apartment complex, you think, oh, it doesn't affect me. Well, it does because the owner of that property, his taxes just went up and any business owner is just going to pass on those, those expenses. Yes. To the renters, and so the renters goes it goes up. It, they just might not see it immediately or as visibly as a homeowner who actually is getting that tax bill. Okay, so let's talk about school districts. I'm a former school board member, uh, and and then the, during the eight years I served as state superintendent, you know, there was always conversations about the need for supplementals and the need for um, levies, um, and um, th this law that has been passed, it's going to remove one of the four election dates that districts could use to go to the voters and ask for an increase or, or for property taxes. Um, t talk to the patrons about how they can assure that going forward, the districts just don't come back and in two or three years, our property taxes are right back where they are today as if there was no relief. You know, a lot of that's going to have to fall to our patrons, to our constituents out there. They're going to have to stop voting for these increases. That was one of the reasons why we removed that March election date, because oftentimes they didn't know about it, and a, and a minority, a small minority, maybe 5% sometimes of the population, was taxing the rest of the population for up to 20 years. Yeah. And that's why we had that removed because it wasn't, wasn't fair. Uh, but they still have three other election dates that they can go ask for additional money. And this is where we need to be vigilant to make sure that it is actually needed. One of the reasons we provided this tax relief bill the way we did it was to give school districts more money for their facilities so that they wouldn't have to ask as much uh, from the public. And, and a lot was done in other budgets to prop up funding for teacher salaries, for example, so that districts in the past that have run supplementals to try to increase teacher salaries over and above what the state is providing, those increases in those education budgets should relieve some of that need for uh, to go to property tax uh, or property taxes to help um, with those supplementals. Oh, so, uh, absolutely. There's been, there's been property tax relief. There's been also a considerable increase in the funding going to education to relieve the, um, the need for districts to go get levies. A absolutely. I believe this year alone was somewhere close to 17% increase in additional funding for the schools. Um, that takes pressure off of them to have to go back to the public and asking for more. Yeah. So we've, we've attacked this problem, I think, from many aspects and many sides of it. And I think we've, we're doing a, we're doing so, a bang up so, job. So, so pay attention when there's, uh, when these election dates come around, attend school board meetings, attend city council meetings, attend those, that's when those, these decisions are made when discussions are happen in the open about building a budget and passing budgets that then end up, um, 
requiring supplementals or levies. But Absolutely. And that's only know. part of the, your, your property tax. Remember, schools is only about 30% of it. We also have cities and counties that also make up 30% each. So there's another 60% of your property taxes come from that. You need to attend the city council meetings, the county you know, commission, those meetings when they talk about the budgets. If you don't want your taxes going up, then let them know yeah. because they have a significant impact on that as well. All right. Uh, we spoke to you just recently, and uh, thanks for coming back, And because this is a very timely conversation. But uh, we're about a week later than some hoped that the legislature would adjourn. Uh, talk to us about where we're at. That people are always starting to count the days once we get past 80 or 90, right? Uh, we're really close. We could be done in a day or two. Um, at least for being done with all of our work. Typically, we will adjourn for a period of four or five days. That gives the governor a chance to sign the bills. If he chooses to veto another bill, it allows us to come back and try to override again. And so that's why we adjourn for a period of time um, while, we're, while we're waiting for all those but bills to get signed. we're it up now. So the go-home bills have been done. And now it's just a matter of uh, a few cleanup things and, and, then, uh, and, and then giving we're waiting for governor to take action and then signy die. Yep, that's where we're at. We've got a few, I mean, there are a few other bills that are important to some people, um, but the biggest bills are done. We have a few more that we're going to kick out. Uh, hopefully those ones get passed and signed as well. But for the most part, we've done our work this year. All right. Well, we appreciate you being um, uh, talking with us today. Um, we'll, we'll do this again in a few weeks, and maybe we'll then kind of do a review of what did happen and if there was any uh, reason uh, for the governor. If he vetoes anything and you have to come back and deal with that, we can talk about that. But we sure appreciate how open you've been and available you've been uh, to the, to the uh, patrons and listeners of KIDO. Tom, Victor, really appreciate you. Love your show. Um, you guys do a great service. Thank you much for having me. All right, folks, we'll be right back.